Unlock the full potential of your healthcare data with practical data solutions. Benchmarks take on new meaning when blended with key performance indicators like expense, productivity, scheduling, and patient satisfaction data. Optimize your reporting to make better decisions with PDS Analytics. Discover how at pds-online.com slash MGMA. Well, hi, everyone. I'm Daniel Williams, Senior Editor of MGMA and host of the MGMA Podcast Network. Today, we're happy to welcome Noah England to the show. Noah has his ACMPE, his MBA, his COE, and he's Chief Operating Officer at Piedmont Plastic Surgery. Um, and we want to welcome Noah to the show as part of our Member Spotlight podcast. So, Noah, welcome. Glad to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Daniel. Yeah. For these Member Spotlight podcasts, I've been beginning these by just getting to know the guest a little bit better. And first of all is, how'd you get your start in healthcare? Where did that spark begin? So Spark is exactly what it was. Uh, during Desert Storm, um, they were afraid at the beginning that there weren't uh, that it was going to be very a bloody bloody battle, and they knew they didn't have enough combat medics. So they come up with this program called Combat Lifesaver, and they would and I just happened to be standing in the wrong place at the wrong time, and someone said, "Hey, I need you to come over here with me." Um, so I basically got voluntold, um, and it was sort of a life changing event for me. Um, we set through this uh, two-week course, basically, that was taught by a battalion, the battalion provider, which is a, a PA, um, and he was one of those people that just sort of lit the fire, as Prince Studer would say, sort of lit the fire in me um, about becoming very interested in in in, uh, in the medical field and and working in in uh, working with patients and so forth. So I had. Um, Started there, and then once uh, once that was over, and I got back into the world, I worked as a paramedic, and then transitioned to urgent care, and that's sort of how I got into outpatient. So. Wow, what a what a great story! Well, thank you for sharing that. So, um, you are the chief operating officer currently at Piedmont Plastic Surgery. So, tell us about that practice, the size and scope there. So we're a multi-specialty practice. We have plastic surgery, dermatology. We do MOS. We have cosmetic service line for cosmetic lasers and and a full service cosmetic uh, full cosmetic service line. We have 12 offices. We have 53 providers. We have nearly 400 employees. Wow. Um, okay. So my basically my role here is uh, to make sure the patient has the best possible experience from beginning to end, and that begins with the first phone call to make the appointment through making sure they had the best possible care and treatment all the way to their experience in paying their final bill. Mm -hmm. Do you all have a particular specialty within plastic surgery? I, I, I know you were mentioning that y'all do a little bit of everything. Is there something y'all are known for or a couple of things you're known for? Um, we, a lot of what we do, um, we do a lot of breast augmentation and, and what they call mommy makeovers, which are the tummy tucks, liposuction, okay. um, those type of, of items. 
We do, we, uh, several of our providers do work at the hospital for, and do reconstructive, uh, surgery, um, for cancer patients and so forth. So, uh, we do a broad scope of plastics here. Okay. What are the biggest, uh, challenges there, um, in y'all's practice? So I, I think the, the, I think it's a twofold thing that are very interrelated and that's staffing and culture. And I think that's, that's a battle uh, that's being waged in all uh, medical practices and in, in healthcare in general. I think the staffing shortage has has exposed a lot of weaknesses in in the culture in a lot of healthcare practices. So I think that those are the two biggest things that we're that we are trying to put together is create a culture that uh, that is able to retain and grow and develop and nurture um, the current employee. Okay. I know you mentioned it earlier a little bit about your role as COO there, but um, what's a day-to-day look like for you? I mean, with all these different locations, all these different aspects of the practice, where where do you find yourself on any given day? Um, well, we have practices from the far reaches of the uh, western part of the state all the way through the Charlotte metro area. Um, we have them in the northern part of the uh, uh, north. Uh, northwestern part of the state and all the way down to the South Carolina border. So I am on the road generally four days a week. I, I try to pick one day that I'm in our main location in Gastonia, but I am on the road. Um, I'm out about, we have supervisors, clinical and administrative supervisors um, at each location, and I'm out about with them uh, making sure troubleshooting problems, uh, meeting with them, meeting with providers, meeting with vendors, um, and a lot of it is, like I said, uh, traveling from location to location, hmm. uh, meeting. And I think I'm not an office person. It's hard to solve anybody's problem in sitting inside this office. So uh, it's rare that I'm actually here. Hmm. That's interesting. Now, you had responded to a questionnaire that we put out to the MGMA members trying to look for people to be guests on the podcast and get to know the different MGMA members better. Something you offered a quote in there that um, you said that we need to build our bench of leadership that was seriously depleted during COVID. Um, You talked about the importance of uh, the essence of being a leader, the learning cycle, uh, emotional intelligence, um, how important communication is. I'm reading all of these things off because I think it's so important based on what you're saying that you make that special effort to hit all the different locations, to get to talk to those leaders, to see them eye to eye. Talk about that, how that was instilled in you and why that's important to you to not just have another Zoom call or not just pick up the phone or send an email, but to physically be there to help in that uh, building of leaders in the practice so let me start out by saying the, the part of part of what we do poorly in healthcare is develop leaders okay so what happens in healthcare is um we say you're a good nurse you're a good lpn you're a good ma you're a good front desk person so that you're you're highly technically proficient so instantly that must mean you're a good leader and so we put the we slap a we slap a sticker on them that says leader, supervisor, shift lead, whatever it might be. And when they fail, 
they then it goes back, well, they just must not have been a good person or they must have not been smart enough or whatever. But what we failed to say is we failed those people by putting them in a position without investing and without educating. We just don't we just don't pull somebody off the street and slap R in on their on their chest. Mm-hmm. We send them to school for four years and then they generally have hundreds and hundreds of hours around patients. But yet we expect them to be a leader just by putting a leadership tag on them. So one of the, the the biggest things we have to do is be able to invest in them and coach and mentor and mentorship is extraordinarily important. Um, and that's one of the things that I feel that I get from traveling is it's hard to mentor somebody over the phone where you can do a little bit. You have to be able to read their body language. And mm-hmm. what are they really telling me when you when someone says when I say how you're doing and they don't look you in the eye and say, I'm fine. Well, I can get I'm fine on the phone and not get the same the same context as when they're not looking at me and they're saying I'm fine. Mm-hmm. So you, it really allows you to dig down and say, what is the issue? What's going on? What can I assist you with? Um, so sometimes you have to drag it out of them and you have to be there. You have to do that face to face. You can't do that over Zoom. and You can't do that over the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, extraordinarily important. Because you've got to get out there in the car and meet with people uh, regularly. Give us an idea. Um, how many direct reports do you have? And then how often do you meet face to face with each one of those direct reports? So the actual number of direct reports I have, so I have the HR, I have uh, the director of nursing, I have the director of operations, which is all over the administrative side. And I have a uh, director of marketing, which also does cosmetic services. Um, so I generally speak with them at least once a day, most of the time in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they all tend to be sort of staggered and they all tend to call um, in the morning. And then in general, we find ourselves sort of crossing paths. We'll be in the same location at the same time. Uh, we try not to be, but there's sometimes that we have to be. Um, if the fire's big enough, in general, I'll show up if it needs to be. Um, but my directors are very bright and very smart and they handle things very efficiently. But I, uh, but I meet with my, uh, as a group, I meet with all the supervisors from all the locations at least once a month. But I travel, um, like I said, I travel at least four days a week, sometimes five days a week. So sometimes I'll be at one office in a day or sometimes I might hit three or four offices in a day. Mm. Um, but in general, I try to see all my leaders at least once every other week face to face. Wow. Wow. How, <laughs> I don't know if you have this broken down, but how much of your time is spent putting out fires and how much time is spent um, developing that strategic vision uh, for the practice. So initially, it, it's that, that's sort of a that's a teeter totter. So mm-hmm. the more I can get out there and mentor and develop the staff, the less fires I have to put out. Because it's I, what you're trying to do is teach those first line supervisors to put those fires out while they're trash can fires, and mm-hmm. not let not let them become dumpster fires where you have to get a director involved or not let them become a building fire where I have to get involved. Right. That's a really good point. Um, how would you characterize your leadership style? Obviously you're very hands-on, but what beyond just being hands-on, what, how else would you characterize it? Well, I'm a resource. Um, Mm -hmm. I I don't get in, I try not to get engaged or involved in anything that my directors are doing. I have to, I have to trust the director and supervisors are solving the problem. If it doesn't get solved, then I'll get engaged. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just becomes a teaching moment and a mentoring moment for me. Um, You know, I don't, if, 
sometimes you have to let them, as long as it doesn't impact uh, patient care or patient safety, sometimes you have to let them make a mistake so they can learn from that. It's, it's rare we learn from our successes. We generally learn from our mistakes. So I'll let them stretch out there and say, oh, I want to try that. Not a problem. I'll help you try that. Even though I know from my experience, they're probably that's probably not going to go over or, not, or it's going to fail. But then they'll back up and say, what could I have done better? And then, you know, we can talk about that and move forward. Um, so there's a lot involved in uh, in just daily coaching and daily mentoring um, and, and keeping people moving forward, not letting and, and to be a resource. I mean, to me, my job is to make sure everybody under my care has the tools, the knowledge, the skills and ability to do their job. Mm-hmm. Um, my job is not to take care of patients or check them in. Uh, not that I wouldn't do that, but my job is to make sure my people have that those resources to do their job. Right. Uh, good point. Switching gears then, um, when did your relationship with MGMA begin? So I uh, was recruited by an ER physician because um, he was looking at developing uh, a paperless office, and this is way back in 94, 95. Um, and so I joined with him, and we had this concept of looking for you know, trying to make a paperless office. And in the end, we ended up making the first paperless uh, medical office in the nation. But we kept looking for resources. And one of the things that come up was MGMA, MGMA. And so you have to forgive me. I think it was in 96, we went to an MGMA conference. I think it was in San Antonio. Um, and we just, and ever since then, it's just, uh, MGMA to me is the gold standard uh, for healthcare conferences. Um, you know, I go to a lot of specialty conferences. Um, most recently, with um, with when I was in ophthalmology and now dermatology. But it, to me, everything is like I compare every conference to MGMA. Hmm. Um, so I, I just truly, out of all the specialty conferences and all the healthcare conferences I've been to, it just MGMA is just the gold standard for that. Well, that's awesome. Uh, thanks for. <laughs> Thanks for the plug. We may use that in our well, ads now. It's, it's, it's absolutely. I wouldn't say it if it weren't true, but it, it, they absolutely are for uh, for learning and knowledge. And I mean, I it, the 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 friends and peers. I mean, I, it, right here in this drawer, I have a stack of cards that's probably six or seven inches thick. Two stacks of people. I always go to those conferences with cards, hmm. and I take cards with people, and it, it just prevents you from having to reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the friends that you develop over time, and some of them I've kept for a long time, and some of them, you know, we, we get together just at the conferences, but it's still, um, you know, and just talk about things. I just uh, I just think it's important, and that's, that's just as important as going to the classes is, is networking and, and, and getting to know your peers. Yeah, give us uh, just a highlight or two then of your interactions over the years with MGMA. What stands out to you? What's something... Maybe a a tool or a resource or a networking opportunity, anything that you've been able to use in your practice moving forward. Yeah, I will tell you, um, there's been several things, uh, and a couple things stand out. So in the 2018 conference in Boston, and I know mm-hmm. this is being nostalgic, that that one year you had Simon Sinek. And right. Mel Robbins in the same conference. Most <laughs> people would just kill to get Simon Sinek once in a decade. Right. Uh, we had two two of the world's most popular speakers a day apart. Right. I mean, it was just it, you just like how did that happen? Um, 
And I thought that was one of the more memorable experiences I had at a, at a conference. Um, and then in 19, um, you had the people from Stanford University there talk about how they organized their, you know, they were primary care and they had 1,100 right. people about how they organized their schedule to make sure that if a patient needs to be seen 95% of the time, they can get them in that same day. Yep. And I step back and have been implementing that ever since. And if you want to drive patient loyalty, you know, I always tell people, if they feel they need to be seen that day, if you don't see them, somebody will. Yeah. You might as well capture that patient. If you don't, your competition will. Yeah. Uh, right. So I think is just that, that is probably one of the that's just off the top of my head. One of the one of the primary tools that I know I've implemented just about everywhere I've been. So, yeah, that's awesome. Um, really switching gears here now. I was. <laughs> Looking you up on uh, LinkedIn, you know, just to prepare for this interview. And I saw something that definitely caught my eye. It says that you're certified as a private aircraft pilot, a multi-engine, your multi-engine instrument rated. Uh, Tell us about that. What's what's that sideline of your life uh, like? So my grandfather was a B-17 pilot World War II, and when I was a kid, I used to fly around with him before I could even reach the rudder pedals. Uh, and ever since then, you know, I was uh, I was completely hooked on flying. Um, so I have my own plane, um, and I uh, I fly it everywhere. We've been all over Canada, Alaska. We've been to the Bahamas. Uh, we've flown all over the Caribbean, um, just about anywhere you can think of. I can, as long as I have fuel to get there, I'll, I'll fly. So we, my wife and I fly quite a few places. My father and I have flown all over the place too. So. That is so cool. Uh, thank you. I, I just love hearing some of these, uh, cause we are human beings outside of work, you know, <laughs> and it's kind of yes. good to hear what people do, what their interests are, what, passions they have you know outside of also doing great work at their at their job so thank you for that um i have a final question for you then we've been talking about your career and different uh impacts you have had through interacting with mgma um for our listeners uh what are some final thoughts you might want to share with us about how they can better develop leaders at their practices? So I would say this is sort of a multifold thing, but I, I think the, the biggest thing is invest and be a mentor. Um, find those people that have potential, even show a glimmer of potential. Those that are stepping up, those that are doing more, pull them out, uh, give them more responsibility. I, I think what you'll find is those people that uh, you think that, oh, they could never be a leader, once they have some responsibility, I, you will just absolutely be blown away about how some of those people react. Uh, send them to conferences. Send them to things like your specialty conference. Send them to MGMA. Let them get outside and learn what the rest of the world is doing and develop a, a peer circle of people to find out what other people are doing. But it all comes down to mentor and coach. You really got to, we've got to develop, we've got to mentor, coach, and invest in in our people in order to, once again, build that bench. Love that. All right, Noah, it's been great getting to meet you. Look forward to catching up with you at a uh, future MGMA event. I'll be in Nashville. I'll see you there then. All right. (laughs) Well, that is going to do it for this episode of MGMA's Member Spotlight Podcast. 
Thanks again to Noah England. He's the Chief Operating Officer at Piedmont Plastic Surgery. He's going to be in Nashville uh, for our show, October 22nd through the 25th. So if you're there, look him up. I'm sure he'd like to talk to you there. Um, In our episode show notes, I will provide direct links to some points of interest that we discussed today. Thanks again for listening and for being a part of the MGMA Podcast Network. Join us at the Leaders Conference, hosted by MGMA, powered by you, where top minds gather to accelerate the success of ambulatory care and medical practices. Join us in Nashville, October 22nd through the 25th. Register today at mgma.com slash leaders.